that moment for me is, is being able to go back and fully realize what that lesson was that my dad was giving me. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and in everything. Um, so moving forward, how you have to go ever forward is because like the mission has to go on, like purpose, your work has to go on. You have to be in pursuit of your purpose, be in pursuit of your passion. Even if you don't quite know what it is, like you have to keep showing up. And that was the first time he really helped me realize or kind of taught me, you know, how to not quit um, in a way that was so meaningful. Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio, a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Beauty Counter. You guys, as a beauty expert and makeup pro of over 20 years, I have legitimately sifted and sorted through endless amounts of beauty products from skincare to makeup, you name it, I've touched it. And, you know, high performance is always a priority to me. You know, when you're working on clients who are on the red carpet or accepting awards on live shows like the Oscars, things of that nature, there really is no room for error when it comes to performance. But as a total, you know, lover of health, you know, over the past decade, I became highly conscious about you know, the health aspect of products too, and really trying to steer away from skincare and makeup products that, you know, have chemicals and fragrances and ultimately health disruptors. So, when I found Beauty Counter, you guys, I started playing with their skincare and their makeup products on me. I was so happy with the results. Not only, you know, did they totally deliver, but I legitimately felt better putting these products onto my skin. You know, what you put on your skin is totally affecting your health. And it's so important to really realize that. Not to mention the brand is really health conscious for the world, and I love that too, but that's just me. So check it out. You guys can now shop my personal favorites on blackbeltbeauty.com from Beauty Counter. You just got to go to the shop section, go to beauty, and you will find my favorites. And I'm continuously adding new products there as I discover more because the brand is just constantly you know, creating new amazing skincare products and makeup products. So as I learn about them, them, and as I try them and love them, I'm sharing them on the site. So check it out. Go to blackbeltbeauty.com, go to the shop beauty section and shop the beauty counter page from there. Let me know what you think. I'd love your feedback. And if you ever have questions about beauty, you know where to find me. DM me, Roxy Look or Black Belt Beauty. Lots of love, you guys. I'm excited to talk to you, Chase, about so many things. Um, but we were just kind of touching on something that sparked an idea um, to start us with, you know, it's the end of the year and I'm so curious. It's been a gnarly year, obviously, um, for everybody, right? I'm curious to where you are personally at right now within your yourself, your energy. I mean, your business, are you feeling uh, like you need a break? Are you feeling... Um, you know, what are you feeling? Let's start there. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you said that yesterday. Um, I have, I, I periodically have, and this year I think I've had more of these like mini freakouts. And <laughs> I was going through, I was like checking some emails. I was talking to my wife. I was just, just kind of like multitasking, like I shouldn't be doing. And um, all of a sudden I was just like, I feel, I feel a freak out coming on. 
like I feel like uh, it's coming. Uh, but it's just like immediately now because so many have happened this year and you know years of kind of just like running my own show, so to speak. Yeah. It's be- they've become less scary, yeah. uh, and it's like um, it's. <laughs> this is going to be a weird analogy, but it's almost like I can tell I have a, like a precursor to when I'm going to get a migraine mm-hmm. and it's just like the, the split second that I can catch that sensation mm-hmm. and then even link, you know, what activity or activities am I doing? I can immediately begin to like problem solve and, and, you know, pause and figure my stuff out. But yeah, it's the end of the year. It's a lot of, a lot of the same things, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of year in review. It's a lot of prepping for the new year. It's a lot of trying to just, you know, as one thing finishes the next thing or another thing is supposed to be beginning. Right. So how do we kind of harmoniously and seamlessly try to blend those two while also taking inventory of our own self, taking inventory of what's ending that I like, what's ending that I don't want to end. Um, and what am I allowing to kind of just catch, you know, ride the curtails and go into the next wave that maybe I shouldn't or don't want to. It's just like this perfect storm of, of emotions, of business, of, of feelings, of all the things. Yeah. What is a freak out like for you? So is this like an anxiety attack? Is this something where you just feel extremely overwhelmed or what is that for you? Sometimes a little bit of each, sometimes all the above lately. It's not, I wouldn't say lately. It's not like a full blown, you know, anxiety attack. It's just mm-hmm. a freak out. It's me just having a moment, uh, maybe <laughs> being a little diva and just like, ah, you know, just pacing around the office or pacing around the house or just finding somebody that'll hear me out. <laughs> and then just, as I say it out loud, I realize, all right, this really isn't that bad. Um, you know, I needed to get things out. I needed to have some things reciprocated and fed back to me. I needed somebody to walk me off the ledge or I needed somebody just to tell me, shut up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> relax. Yeah. Uh, but it's that quick little moment. And over the years, that's, that's become a, I, I think a necessity. It's, it's less of, I'm going to freak out. I'm going to panic. I'm just going to wallow mm-hmm. and let that sustain because that gets me nowhere versus I need that release. You know, my anxiety, my stress, my business, my, my, my health needs that kind of release. And it's okay. Yeah. Uh, who is it? You know, was it Mel Robbins? She's like, you know, have your, the five second rule, right? Give yourself mm-hmm. a five second pity party and just like, okay, get it out, get it done and then get to work. Yeah, no, I love that because energy is not something that you, there's, you can't like stop energy. You have to transmute it. So like a great example is, you know, if you're feeling fear, it's not like, oh, don't be afraid. It's how do you, what do you, what energy do you want to transform fear into? Courage is obviously a great, you know, um, transformation there, but it could be other things too. So I love that you just put that in, you know, it's not this, I'm going to ignore it or try to inhibit it. It's rather that you kind of, you accept it, you acknowledge it, you find your little, your outlet. And, you know, another string to pull on there that I think is really valuable and will lead us into um, an epic conversation is this self-awareness piece that you have. Like Mm -hmm. you've been here before. I mean, you are someone who is um, no stranger to challenge. It's been, from what I've learned about you, it seems to be a through line in your <laughs> life, right? And in some ways, um, you know, the challenges were definitely not, you know, things that you were seeking. It was, you know, you were you served in the army, your father got sick, he passed away, you have 
you know, there's history of injuries and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into all that. But then also like when we think about, I kind of, cause I talk about this all the time, like healthy challenges, mm-hmm. um, being an entrepreneur is the greatest example of that being someone who strives to live from their fullest potential, their best selves is another great example of that. So you definitely have been living this life where, you know, you have a, a, uh, a strong relationship with, with challenge. And so, I imagine that, you know, when, when you talk about like, like you've been here before, so you have tactics and tools that help you when you feel the freak out moment coming on. Um, a lot of that has stemmed from, from this relationship that you've had with challenge. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if I had to boil it down to, um, the only difference now is just being able, being able to, and more quickly being more able to identify the source and how to channel it. Uh, because this stuff isn't going anywhere, right? It, stress, um, you know, worry about the world, worry about our jobs, worry about our health. I mean, to a certain degree, we should have things in place that can kind of allow for that, you know, congruency and just, you know, I hate to say things that are just given, nothing really is given. We have to kind of earn that, all that stuff, but we shouldn't have to worry about all the things all the time, but when they do arise, uh, which yeah, to your point is exactly really the main thing now is I can allow myself that release and be human. Um, but then over the years of having been in situations like that before, uh, to one extreme or the other, knowing how to identify where is this coming from and why, uh, is it legitimate? Is it maybe me overlooking a basic human need of when was my last meal? <laughs> am I dehydrated or am I actually ignoring or bypass something major, you know, in my business or in my life and more quickly being able to kind of just break it down so that the, the standard operating procedure that comes after that, you know, I, I also have those built in as well. Some things are new for sure. Some things mm-hmm. I have no idea how to tackle, but you know, they will be tackled for sure. Do you, do you feel, um, so when I listen to you, I mean, just what you explained is so beautiful. And I'm like, he, there's a very strong, uh, level of self-awareness. I'm wondering, um, you know, you served in the army for how long? Six years active duty. Okay. Do you feel that, uh, you kind of, you, you came downloaded with an edge in the self-awareness piece and that maybe serving, I don't know if that was a big, um, kind of contributor to expanding your self-awareness, but I I would love to talk about self-awareness is a big topic, right? And it's deep and you can't touch it. And, you know, it's a conversation I'm always having, you know, I mean, we just had an incredible podcast. (laughs) I I loved it so much. It was so fun, but you know, a lot of people come to me, whether it's my coaching clients or just people that I engage with in my community uh, about self, uh, self self-awareness, like how do you become more self-aware? Um, so I would love to learn more about your self-awareness. Um, I don't know if I want to call it a journey, but just, uh, this piece of, of you and your being like, did you, do you feel that you came downloaded with an edge here? Like you were already self-aware and then your life has, you know, expanded and helped you develop it or develop it or. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And as you're kind of describing the question more, um, I think I just had like a major realization. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, you know, kind of like, was it, was it just my norm or was it taught, you know, was it nature? Mm-hmm. Was it nurture? Was it just who I was, or was it something that you know, I, I do get that kind of question fairly often of 
did the military really change you that much? Are you the way you are because of what you experienced? And to a certain degree, I think you ask anybody that served in the military, you know, for any period of time, yeah, it, it ingrains things in you that I, I will say never go away. Um, but up until that point, I, I joined when I, I was technically still 17. I, I graduated early from high school and uh, my 18th birthday was actually our boot camp graduation day. Um, and so, you know, happy 18th to me, right? Yeah. Um, and up until that point, I, I felt very, very, um, very blessed that I had a support system. And it was on paper, when you look at it, it wasn't ideal. My, my parents divorced when I was about four-ish, five years old. Um, my brother, my sister, and I were all like sort of kind of together, sort of kind of scattered. My dad was active duty in the military as well. He was away. I was raised you know, with my stepmom and my grandparents. And so on paper, I guess you could describe like I came from a broken home, mm-hmm. but I, I never knew it. I, I only... I only ever had a support system. I was always surrounded by love. Uh, I, I had the right people who were always covering down for me. So my, my point with this is like phase one was support, was community, was a support system and community. And then once I stepped into the military, I'm kind of just putting all this together now for the next six years, you know, from 18 to about 24, those are some of the most formidable years in a human being's life, um, whether you go away to college or you go off into the real world or you join the military, you're kind of stepping into your own, you're stepping, you know, leaving the nest, so to speak. And so you're kind of taking things that worked with you and that you want to keep in your life, but also exploring who you are and, you know, whether you're getting a job or serving in the military, you know, for me, um, that comes with a lot of protocols that comes with a lot of systems, a lot of responsibility. Uh, and me, my situation, a lot of times was, you know, a lot of leadership, um, and a lot of, life or death. And um, they teach you that just daily living, but also when it comes down to your job, your mission, you know, the safety and livelihood sometimes of yourself and the people to the left and right of you, it comes down to how well do you know how to respond immediately? How well do you know your equipment? How well do you know the systems and the protocols for when, you know, shit hits the fan or when you're just, you know, coasting, you always need to know how to kind of check in with yourself, with your team. You need to know how to trust your gear. You need to know all of these things because there will be a moment when, when things aren't going smoothly and you need to know not only can you rely on the people to the left and right of you, which is kind of like that culmination of the support system that I was already familiar with, but now is a support system in combination with systems, with what to do when, you know, I was expecting A and B happened. And so for those years, yeah, up until I was about 24, when uh, I was separated, um, yeah, that's, up until 24, until now, you know, I'm 35 years old now. So, you know, 11 years later, uh, I am very much systematic. I'm very much reliant on procedures, but uh, I'm definitely very big and reliant on community and, you know, thrive off of that and try to provide it and, you know, need it in my life and my business. Um, but I'm also human. So those freak outs and <laughs> shit hitting the fan is never going to go away. But, you know, now I've just been fortunate enough to, to have served and to serve others uh, that I kind of have like an immediate go-to system for, for damn near most things. Yeah, no, I mean, and again, it's so important to realize like these freak outs and these human moments, they never go away. And it's almost, um, 
it's almost kind of special because when you, the better, so in psychology, there's the refractory period, right? And that's, that's essentially like, how long does it take for you? Stimulus happens, impact. What's the turnaround time to get back to, you know, I don't know, we'll call it homeostasis, but like this, like, you know, steady pulled together being right. And ideally in life, you want to be closing that gap as much as you can, right? So if you're in traffic and someone cuts you off, you don't want that asshole to be ruining the rest of your day. I call him an asshole, right? You want to like be able to like have your moment be like, you asshole or not Um, in my world, yes. And then just like, you know, and then quickly be like, okay, cool. Like had my moment and now I'm going to, I'm going to be back um, game on kind of thing. So I, again, I think it's really valuable that you, you know, you, you, you have this, um, you know, realistic relationship with it and you're not, you're not, uh, trying to push that away. I want to ask you, so when, you know, let's go into some of the challenges that you faced around injury. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's a big deal. And, yeah, and yeah. even beyond, like there was some other shit in there. And I think that it's so important because one thing in learning more about you and your, the challenges that you have faced, um, it's really interesting. So your energy to me, like we've just become friends, right. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. you know, and I'm a friendly girl, but I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like I'm not necessarily, um, someone who's like, yeah. And then I'm going to, let's go meet up. Like, you know, it takes a lot. Cause I'm, you know, I'm in my life. It's a full life. And, but like, then there are just some people that you're like, dude, yes, you like, yes. I want more of you in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm going to make time. I want to come meet, you know, and, and this for me is like a energy vibrational thing. And, and you have such a beautiful, just like, you know, like positive, I want to be around you kind of energy. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah. what's dope though is that there's been a lot of darkness in your life. Yeah. And so I'm not here saying that you're all rainbows and butterflies. I mean, again, we're just front, but I'm smart enough at this point to understand, like, you know, you you can be someone who has shadow work and darkness and has been through and is still going through, you know, incredible challenges, but still show up and be, you know, like a bright light for um for the world in, in addition to yourself. So it's something that I've really captured and have been capturing about you. And so it's important. I want to go into now that I've like prefaced, you know, your vibe, at least to me, you know, and I feel like that's, you know, how you are received in the world. It's important to talk about uh, the challenges that you have faced and that, you know, and even like how the residual of those challenges, how it's showing up in your life and what that residual um, is doing for you in your life. Like, is it, is it, you know, is it, in the challenge that you have to face with it? Is it cultivating some more inspiration? Like what's the contrast doing for you? It's a yeah. deep question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm like initially like uh, a lot of stuff we're, you know, we're referring to there with, you know, my injuries and the, a lot of the, like the darkness that I went through, especially in my military career. Um, again, you're asking really great questions. I'm kind of just like going back and re- realizing, connecting some new dots here. Um, I don't think I've ever, at least far back as I can consciously remember, I don't 
I've never had an expectation uh, of anything that provides value to me or just, you know, daily living necessities without some kind of work and or sacrifice. Um, I, you know, we, I grew up um, very low economic status, but like I said, I was always loved. I, I never wanted for anything, my whole family. And we, we grew up for many years um, living with my grandparents, my dad's parents, and, you know, just something as small as, you know, food. Uh, we had a massive, massive garden on our property and most of the stuff we ate, we grew. And I, I remember one of my earliest childhood memories is uh, like my grandfather tricking me into child labor, basically, and thinking it was a game to get all the rocks out of the garden when he would till the soil. Um, but, you know, I would go through my brother and sister and I, we would do all this and we would, you know, till the soil when we pull the rocks out and we would help plant the seeds and do all these things. And then we would, you know, reap the bounty. You know, we would have food, we would have fruits and vegetables and all these things. And then you know, my, my whole life was like that. There was never anything of worth. There was never anything of value without some kind of contribution or sacrifice. And it was never like painted in a negative light. It was just how I was kind of brought up. It was my norm. And then for damn sure in the military, like when I went through, it was about four, year four, four and a half when I kind of s suffered the first injury that kind of put me down the, the injury journey. Um, to being more or less a patient in and out of, you know, the last year and a half of my career. Um, I never, I don't think I ever really fully realized that I kind of just like accepted it, you know, again, under that, that light of that was the norm. Like you're supposed to have sacrifice. You're supposed to earn everything. And, you know, and especially at that time, you know, I served 2003, 2009, OIF, OEF era. It was very much the norm of this kind of stuff happening. Um, you know, I was very fortunate enough to, to make it out alive. I was very fortunate enough to make it, you know, with all my arms and limbs and, you know, you know, not just burned head to toe. And like a lot of my other, you know, service members that, suffered that. I, I, I never really thought that what I went through was anything other than uh, what I was supposed to, or even like deserved to some degree. Um, so in, in war games, uh, I was in pursuit of trying to, I was volunteering for a couple deployments and they just, for whatever reason, weren't going through, weren't going through. And so I tried to like put myself on the fast track to get promoted and to work myself up the ranks and to do all these things because I, I really, really wanted to, you know, put myself in, in really harm's way. I was dealing with the, the loss of my father and I just didn't know how to deal. And so I was trying to run away from that to the furthest degree to go on the other side of the world and to put myself in the probability of, you know, not having to come back alive. And um, so in that training time, um, I was very quickly humbled. Uh, I'd only been out in the field for a few days at the time. And I was leading and I was in a leadership role and I was leading this ambush against you know, this fake enemy and just like in the heat in the moment and uh, just so many things stacked against me. Uh, I suffered a pretty major string of injuries like to my low back, my hips, uh, tore my hamstring and just, you know, a lot of, a lot of trauma all at once. And tried to jump the gun, uh, didn't honor my body and tried to, you know, get back into that deployment possibility and get back into that, you know, role very quickly. And I just kept injuring myself and just kept making things worse, tore my hamstring, major trauma in my L4, L5 vertebrae, uh, and just began to compound a lot of other issues with, with my hips. And uh, I'll never forget, I was, things were looking, I thought like, okay, I'm going to get through this. And I was on uh, about mile 
eight of this ruck march, you know, we call it with full battle rattled, you know, all my body armor, our packs and everything. And, you know, I was back into some pretty serious training and more or less kind of just like broke my hips, you know, something just happened and I wound up, you know, back in the hospital and, you know, I was just like, Hey, something's not right. Um, wound up, they're like, Hey, things are really not right. Not only was I removed from that possibility of, of being deployed, but I was completely yanked out of my unit. I was transferred to another base, was in the same city at the same time, but uh, to another base. And it was just only where broken people went. Uh, it's where people that were, you know, blown up IEDs, you know, in Afghanistan who are, you know, missing arms and having major trauma and burns. That's where they sent them. And, you know, that's where I went too. So I was immediately put into this environment of just, of suffering, of pain, of trauma. But again, it was like the expected norm. Like, this is what you do during this time. You sign up, you serve, you get blown up, you get hurt, you get injured, you go through whatever you need to do, and then you just go back. Um, well, they're like, not nah, tuning, Sergeant tuning, you know, this, you're not going back. Uh, and I just really downplayed the whole experience. And I thought I was just going to like go through some rehab or something. Long story short, they wound up like, admitting me to the hospital, uh, going through major reconstructive surgery to one of my hips. And then that was it. Uh, I was just a patient uh, in and out of the hospital, bedridden, uh, reliant on everybody for really everything for, for days, weeks at a time. Uh, and then I would go through and you know learn how to walk again, load bear on that side. And about eight to 10 months later, once I was you know, a real boy again, so to speak, you know, I was walking and normal daily living and stuff um, that went back into the other side. So it was just like, I was broken, went through that horrible experience, got built back up to some kind of norm again. And then I just had to go back to the start again. Um, and so that was my life for, yeah, almost a year and a half. And it was so severe that even after the second surgery, even after that second round of healing and rehabilitation and stuff, um, they're just like, you're, you're not good enough. Like you, they, like the disability rating that the army gave me and like my inability to kind of perform certain tasks and drills, they're like you are non-deployable, which means we have no use for you. Uh, so I was medically retired out of the service um, after six years. And so not only was it just a physical trauma, not just an identity loss of literally one day you are a soldier and the next day, you're nothing, you're out. Like you just signed a piece of paper and you're gone. Um, but you know, that was what I had planned for doing the rest of my life. You know, I was going to do the 20 years, retire like 37, 38, and it's a pretty sweet deal. Um, yeah. now I just get to tell people I overachieved and retire after six years instead <laughs> of 20, you know? Um, so yeah, so it was a lot to go through in that six year time period. Yeah. And at such a young age, cause you know, I mean, you're 35 mm. and 42 and like those years, like you're a baby, uh, yeah. you know? Yeah. You're a puppy. It's and to have to manage all of that um, emotionally and mentally that's hardcore and it's got to have like a residual effect. There's actually a lot that I want to pull on there. Um, cause you know, when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking a couple things come to my mind that are so, um, transferable and applicable to the majority. So like one thing is, you know, a lot of, a lot of people feel just being an observer, like I'm busy, I'm busy and stress, stress makes an individual feel like they're living, like they're, they're in purpose. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing right? To, yeah. because it's like, 
because some things are so out of control, but that's like the one thing that they can write. And so, you know, when I listen to your process of how you were this, yeah, I'm injured. Like this is just this par for the course. This is like, you almost expect it. And in fact, I wonder, and I want to ask you about this. I'm like pulling on a couple of strings. It's like, I feel like, um, were you associating that with a form of honor at the time? I don't know if I realized it at the time, but looking back, it's, uh, I, I, and these are things I've worked on, you know, in, in therapy and, you know, diagnosed PTSD through a lot of this stuff. Um, like I felt like I was supposed to, because that was like the marker for success at that time because of where we were in the world and where we were in my time of service. I mean, I, yeah, I equated that to like a badge of honor, like literally in the military, we get not, you know, it's not a merit badge on the boy scouts anymore, but we get patches, you know, we, we get medals, we get all these things. And, and so many people around me at that time, had that. And it wasn't even just that they had it, but they were people that I, I really, really respected. And there were people that were my mentors and my leaders and you know, even, you know, peers at sometimes, you know, people that were my same grade, my same rank who had, who had these other badges of honor. And I didn't, um, as you go through your career, especially in the military, you know, in, in any professional environment, you know, people have certain certifications or they've gone to this course or that expo or whatever, and you may have started at the same time, but you know, you're technically equals, right. But they just, they've got some kind of edge and I wanted that. And yeah, yeah. Um, there was actually a time right before I had th- this initial injury that, me and a couple other buddies were, were being kind of recruited uh, for, it, it's not full-blown special forces. It's like, a, like you're a su- special forces support. Um, it's a lot of similar training and, you know, a lot of like secret squirrel stuff like that. But, you know, my skill set at the time, uh, I worked in military intelligence. I was a, a Russian linguist and I had a lot of unique skills and training um, that, we needed the special forces group needed. And so we were being recruited and honestly it came down to, and this is why I actually tried to volunteer for my first deployment. It came down to, I had a lot of things, but I was missing one of two things. One, I wasn't the right rank yet. I needed to, you know, go at that point, I needed to go one level up uh, and like, Hey, we really would love for you to get some deployment experience. And so I saw that as kind of my necessary stepping stones to get those badges of honor, to literally get those, patches uh, and to kind of be looked at at that same kind of level of respect, you know, at the time. And so the first one fell through, Uh, I was running neck and neck for this deployment and they were literally just holding out until they could see if anybody else wanted to volunteer. That was that one grade higher than me. And like the last week before I was going to actually, you know, go through training for this deployment, they got somebody. And so that was why it lit a fire under my ass to, to, to max out my points and to go to all my promotion boards and to, you know, become a sergeant, to become a staff sergeant, to work my way up. Cause I got that. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Then the only thing I need to have this honor, to have this respect, to kind of, to, to be looked at that way and to go through what I think I'm supposed to go through is I need, I, I need to go to war flat yeah. out. Wow. Yeah. Well, so that's a lot of, um, you are so needing and wanting the external validation, right? And, and I'm sure now at this point in your life, you know, like, Ooh, not a good idea, right. Yeah, to just uh, yeah, be yeah. me. So actually let's talk about that. Cause that's a huge, that's huge right there. Like, I mean, you know, you want to, 
external validation has its place, obviously, right? But you have to be willing, you have to be doing things to cultivate this self-validation piece. This is something I think is really, really important, right? Because this gains, this helps you gain um, real self-confidence. And when I talk about self-confidence, I'm talking about the kind that no one can take away from you. Mm -hmm. And, And that kind can only exist when you are cultivating it within yourself. Right. So what would you, so like, this is coming into this conversation with you. I was like really excited about this concept of like, I want to talk to former chase. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to current chase. And I also want to talk to future chase because yeah, yeah, well, because there's so much to you. And so like, what would current chase say to former chase about honor in that period of, of challenge and even that self-validation or external validation seeking, like what kind of advice would you give yourself in that period of time to support you on a level at which you would now looking back, like you would want yourself to feel supported in your life? Yeah. I, um, I think about this a lot. I, I've been asked this before and I, my, my, I think my answer is still the same. Uh, I would I would want me to feel so much of what I was going through was, yeah, that the external validation and, you know, needing to kind of like pursue um, that honor and that respect to my peers and, you know, my profession at the time, but it was also me running from not, not feeling it was me running from this loss and uh, trauma of my father and watching him just wither away and die from this horrible terminal illness for the first, like, two years of my military career. It was, it was me. A big reason why I joined, um, well, cause I sort of kind of didn't really know what I wanted to be yet when I grew up. <laughs> so <laughs> I, instead of just wasting years at college or I was like, Meh, I, I saw a lot of opportunity in the military, but also it was a lot of legacy. Uh, my father served my uncle, my grandfather, great, like generation, gener- every generation we've always had someone serve. And so that was like 51% more appealing at the time. Um, and so I wanted to do that. Um, but those first two years, almost for 18 months, um, as I was stepping off and honoring that legacy, um, that legacy was quickly withering away. My father was dying. Uh, he wasn't able to be there, you know, for the whole duration that I thought he would. And we all expect, you know, to have these people in our lives forever. Um, and I was so young, I didn't really know how to fully process that, but also, like not to not give myself credit, the military is a very, very, very demanding job. And especially at that time during a time of war, um, we don't, we're not taught to like, to go through that. We're not taught, we're only taught to like mission first. We're taught to like suppress things because if you don't, you could die and the people to left or right of you could die or the mission's going to fail or whatever. And so it was a, it was an ability for me to run away from that and not deal with that and also pursue. So I was running away from my true emotions, my true feelings that I needed to go through and process and pursuing other emotions and other feelings that really I didn't care about. I thought that I did, or I thought that I was just supposed to go through. So I, I always say to that version of me, like, I, I wish that I would have allowed myself to just fully feel and process. Yeah. It's so powerful. And okay. That has my mind moving in this direction now. Um, so you became a health coach. It seems like a yeah. pivot, but it's actually yeah. really connected. Um, because when I, you know, in coaching, um, people will be addressing like a, a challenge or an issue up here. And as a coach, 
we're like, yeah, you think it's here, but actually we can see that it's, there's something else going on down here. <laughs> usually, usually. Yeah. Usually for the, yeah. So um, I'm curious to, you know, when you, when you, when you, first of all, let's talk about how you transitioned into becoming a health coach. That's an important setup. And then I'll go where I was going to go. Yeah. So like I said, at uh, about 23, almost 24, um, I was medically kicked out of the army and um, it's a very distinct memory for me. I went to sign out. I uh, had my, my cane in the seat behind me, my wheelchair and most of my belongings like in my car, my wheelchair tied to the roof of my SUV at the time because I was still very much reliant on help. Um, and so I went, I left, I was uh, leaving this hospital unit in Texas at the time, uh, drove back home to my home state of Virginia and uh, had my mom uh, help me uh, hobble around campus and sign up for classes and go to, you know, tours and things like that. It's, I was still on my cane. Um, and I, I discovered, I originally was looking at the same school before I joined the army and because it was in Richmond, Virginia, it was very close to home for me and my family. And, uh, I've always had kind of like a little bit of an artistic flair and on, on my dad's family side, there's a lot of artists and stuff like that. And I was interested in graphic design originally went to the military first. And when I got out, uh, I looked at that school again, for that program. But then I saw this thing called exercise science and I began to read through it and really just like look at it as this is what I need. I don't think I have no idea if this is my next profession or not, but it is everything that I need in one of my life right now. Anatomy, physiology, nutrition, exercise programming, uh, adaptability, just, you know, the human experience. Cause I'd got, already begun to get a little taste of that in my recovery. I had a lot of downtime. Um, a lot of downtime and I physically couldn't really for periods of time, I couldn't do anything physically in periods of time. I was very, very just limited. Mm -hmm. Um, so I began to look at what I could learn and could control. And so for me, that was nutrition and that was, you know, a clean home and that was, you know, organic this and green that. And so I began to get a little bit of taste of that. And I was like, well, what if I go study it, you know, at the academic level for four years? And so I, I fell in love with it. I began to learn so much so many new things and some things that were just like reassurances of, yes, this is what I need to heal, to rehab, to like relearn my body because it is no longer going to be able to do so many things that I thought you know, that I used to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, and then somewhere along the way, uh, I think like year two or three, like year three, uh, we had to start doing internships and shadowing experiences. And I realized, oh, wait, there's like a whole world out here. There's a whole career. I don't have to just be a personal trainer, you know? And I even mm -hmm. thought that who would want to be, who would want to be my client, you know, cause I'm broken. You know, I'm the guy, you know, going to school with a cane, you know, I'm the guy studying this stuff, but can I fully apply it? There was so much of like this imposter syndrome, so much of like who would ever kind of want to work with me thing, which fast forward, these experiences were the ultimate reason why people wanted to work with me. Um, because it was, you know, Hey, like, okay. Like, you know what it means to not have this level of ability and you've you know, they want to work with me for that. Um, so yeah, I fell in love with it. I realized I, I want to do this as a profession. And so I started off doing a couple of different things It worked uh, really in like corporate wellness, uh, kind of like um, health fair stuff. Uh, and on again, off again, I would call it like micro health coaching. One of the roles I had at this, my first company was uh, like short, very short, brief kind of consulting health coaching with people as they would go through, get, you know, BMI, body fat percentage, uh, fasting, blood sugars, things like that. And that really piqued my interest because it wasn't just like, hey, here's X amount of sets, X amount of reps, reps, you know, I'll see you next week kind of thing. 
it was lifestyle, it was holistic, it was health from the inside out. Again, because that's what I focused on because so much of the fitness stuff, like I get, and like, there's a way to go about it. But like, I, that's never been my full identity because so much of that physical aspect, I can't really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't do then and to some in some degrees can't do now so i just how can i get well stay well be well move for longevity and and instill that in others and then um this thing just kind of fell in my lap literally one day uh another part of my my job at the time was i oversaw the training for the county fire department so i oversaw like their annual field testing i would give them recommendations for training you know more power you know more strength or you know i would you know rate them grade them and then we would go around to the fire stations and train them and uh one day going through the field testing i got this phone call someone this company matched with me on indeed and um it was called for a wellness specialist and it was it was at a doctor's office it was you know primary care and then it was all this additional stuff that i loved. It was, you know, helping people lose weight. It was helping people look at their nutrition, you know, training protocols. And it just seems like, again, everything that I needed at that time to help me to heal and to just what I found value in, but could then also make a living. And so then I did that for several years and wound up kind of uh, working my way up the ranks. And I I ran their whole wellness department for a couple of years. It was a concierge medical practice. You would go see your doctor for your physical and your labs and, you know, check-ins. And then you would come see me or my team of other coaches. And we would do, you know, physical fitness testing, body composition analysis, personal training, workouts, nutrition plans, health coaching. And we all went through a governing body, went through ACE, got certified back in 2015. And, um, and that's what I did for several years um, up until, up until like 2017. So awesome. Um, one thing I want to ask you about is when you started, so you're, you know, you're coming off of major injuries, you have trauma, your father, I mean, there's a lot of like, not just physical, but emotional and mental, um, hardship that you, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Ladies, I am so excited to let you know that Queendom, Black Belt Beauty's exclusive membership community for women only has officially opened her doors and is welcoming new members. Queendom is an exclusive community of high-minded, empowering, supportive, badass women who are all on a mission to live from their fullest potential in life. This empowered space is monitored by me personally to ensure that it is non-toxic, non-competing, and an inspiring, energetic environment. What this membership includes is one monthly live Zoom call with me, where I take you on a deep dive and a specific focus for the month. So think topics like self-love, self-confidence, and vitality. These topics are vital to living from your fullest potential in life. So these talks are going to support you to get more clarity on them and help you to develop and strengthen your relationship with them in your life. You get one monthly challenge that is specific to the focus for the month for stronger development and progress in that area. You get a monthly workbook with a summary of that topic and journal prompts around the subject. You get a variety of intentional meditations that I create to help you get rooted in specific areas of yourself and your life. You get exclusive Black Boat Beauty Radio podcast guest content for Queendom members only. And ladies... I love to have fun, so you can expect to have a lot of it in Queendom. There will be several pop-up virtual events, including more live coaching sessions with me, beauty sessions, training sessions, cooking hangs, master classes and Q&As, all with high-level guest experts. 
You also get my VIP high performance vault. So think my top tools that I rely on to feel my best, to look my best, and to perform my best in life. Above all, you get community and accountability support from the incredible members of Queendom who are on aligned missions to live from their fullest potential in life. You know, one of my favorite quotes that sums up my aim with Queendom is this one by Reid Hoffman. No matter how brilliant your mind or strategy, if you're playing a solo game, you will always lose out to a team. You guys, I want you all to be winning in your life from within and out. And I'm a firm believer that teamwork truly does make the dream work. So I've designed Queendom to be exactly that, a team of women who are supporting the best in each other to actualize their dreams into life. So the cost for all of this is just $40 a month. And that price is exclusive to this period of enrollment only. For those who purchase a full year of membership upfront, you get one month of membership for free. Investing in this membership is investing in yourself. So if you're ready to join Queendom, go to blackbeltbeauty.com to sign up or click the link in the show notes. Ladies, let's seek the fight together in 2021 as a badass team of empowered queens. Membership has its privileges. I can't wait to see you and support you in the queendom. So I'm curious, um, when you started to invest more into your health by way of your nutrition and, and the movement that you were able to do, I mean, your environment, I love that you said, because that's such a huge piece and people don't realize that, you know, oh, it's the most important thing for me, truly. Oh my God. I, yeah. <laughs> we are so, <laughs> I'm seriously, it's the, it, it, how could it not be? It's energy. Yeah, that's it why I keep moving you. every like one and a half, two years. <laughs> oh, gee. Yeah. On to the next environment. All right. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's so. Um, I mean, I've had conversations about this with some other people. It's like sometimes, like, someone's stressed out. And I'm not feeling it. Girl, clean your room. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't Dude. need to move across the country sometimes. Sometimes you just need to freaking make your bed. <laughs> right, maybe. Yeah. Seriously. I know. I'm so grateful that from a very young age, um, well, after high school, I just, I, you know, I'm one of those like wake up and make the bed. Like it just, it has to happen for me, you know? Um, but what I was going to ask you is how did that start to like investing in your health from this holistic way? How did that affect, you know, the, the hardship emotionally, um, you know, mentally, like what did that do for you? Because this is really important Chase, and I know that you have experienced this in your own coaching practice, but a lot of people don't realize that a lot of what, and I'm not saying all, I never speak in absolutes, right? But a lot of times, oftentimes, um, so much of the emotional and the mental challenges and hardships that we're going through can be supported and, um, you know, work through mm -hmm by way of nutrition, by way of your environment, by way of, you know, so it's like biology is affecting you. And a lot of people don't realize this. So I would love to know your experience with all of that. It's, uh, I, how can I get clever with this analogy? <laughs> um, I created a very, very clean and aesthetic house, but in the process, 
I had one area that just became more and more of a mess, or I should say the mess that was there, I continue to ignore. And when everything else looks good and is operating very clean, but you have one part that is just a hot mess, like it stands out the most. Mm -hmm. And so over those years, uh, that's what I was doing. I was getting stronger. I was training in ways that I never thought I would you know, be possible. I was deadlifting, squatting, um, like things that doctors told me, my orthopedic surgeon told me like, you will never do this again, you know, be grateful for walking kind of stuff. Um, and so I, I was just constantly getting better in these areas that people told me that I couldn't, uh, that I never thought that I would. And in the gym, in the kitchen, I mean, I was the strongest I had ever been. I was the leanest I'd ever been. I, I think it, I was getting like below sub, you know, 10% body fat. And I was doing, again, all these external validators. And, you know, and a part of it was because I, I did enjoy it. You know, that community aspect, I was, I'm, I'm the kind of person that when I go to the gym, you know, first of all, if I can get anybody to go to the gym with me, I will. And I'll just train whatever you're training. Like I, I, I would never abide by a program. I'm worse at programming. I'll touch and go, but I would much rather just enjoy the experience with the people that I'm with and know that they get that. And then I'm getting something out of it too. Just because I'm not on a program doesn't mean I'm not honoring my body and then they're oh, doing yeah. good things. Right. Mm -hmm. So all of these things, right. I was doing all my training, my nutrition. Uh, I was, you know, working my way up the ladder at my job, like I said, and all these things were going right. Well, the one area that I was completely ignoring and not treating and not getting better and not instilling in my daily practice was that trauma or those traumas and was that um, period of my life that I was just suppressing and ignoring, particularly um, the loss of my father. And it began to manifest in very, very, uh, I don't know if I'd say new, but just more frequent and more extreme ways. Uh, it was becoming much more difficult for me to ignore to suppress, to hide um, things that would be triggers for me. I would, you know, steer off the road. I would completely lose track of time. I would have to leave parties and leave movie theaters and leave the room of my friends and family and loved ones because something, you know, of death or an injury or, you know, even just someone saying the word terminal or, you know, mm -hmm. like a scene in Grey's Anatomy where someone like pulls a sheet over a dead body, I, I was completely transparent transported back in time and reliving like that loss and that, you know, experience my father. And it began to just manifest into full blown panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And even to the point of like near seizures. And it was, it was wrecking my life and was becoming a problem in certain relationships in my life at that time. Um, and it was just like, Hey, look, you've been, you've been doing everything else, but this yeah. and okay, cool. It's look at what you can do. Look at how good you look. Uh, but like, look at your quality of life right now. And uh, I, that's when like the internal work began. Uh, this was, you know, kind of like, uh, I guess like summer 2015 ish, yeah, 2015. Mm -hmm. And um, I began to pick up a journal as much as I picked up a barbell. I, I began to, to read about internal and emotional healing as much as I did about the next, you know, you know, nutritional protocol. Mm -hmm. um, and the more that I could kind of like turn inward and to help that stuff come out and to work through that uh, as much as I was everything else, just my life just completely changed. And it was very hard work because when you go searching for this stuff and go revisiting these past traumas, you will revisit them. You will find them and you will relive them. Yeah. Really? I mean, it's the whole definition and point of, of, of trauma. Mm -hmm. um, but again, like we we're saying earlier, it's, 
that's going to be there. So how can we create a protocol? How can we create a, a sense of awareness to just like, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on. It's neither good. It's neither bad. I'm just here to experience it. And I need to learn from it. And I, I need to live with it really um, because these things are not going to go anywhere, but you know, I need to get on with my life. So what can I do to understand these triggers to not stuff it down, but to process it in a healthy way and get the right forms of help um, and help being starting with the self, you know, just, I got like a $3 notebook and started just journaling and brain dumping. And then all the way realizing, you know, Hey, I need to go back and get some professional help. And so um, as, yeah, as much as I was looking and training and changing and proud of all the external stuff, because of all the reasons, like I said before, I never thought I would get to that point again, um, or at least not that quickly. Um, The internal stuff, it, it was long overdue. I love that so much. I mean, I, you know, I always say that like, for me, success starts from within, right? Like you can have the whole, everything going on on the outside, even physically, but if you're not feeling a sense of connection and wholeness and, and really a strong, healthy relationship with yourself, healthy relationship. And obviously it doesn't mean that, you know, there's no issues. It's yeah. what you were just saying. It's like, you no, you realize deal with the issues. Exactly. Yeah. And in compassion is a big piece there. Like I, I'm so curious to what your inner dialogue, um, you know, like wh- what was that? How did that transition? What was that? The change from, kind of ignoring to realizing and facing and then supporting yourself through this process. And this is such an important piece to, to live in this conversation because there's a lot of people who have trauma, P- PTSD, um, grief. Like even if we think about um, this year and there's so many forms of loss that have taken place. It could be the loss of a business, you know, all kinds of losses happen. And that's a, it's really hard right? To, to go through these things. And it's really easy to become a victim as well mm-hmm. in, and I, you Maybe know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because I'm listening to you so closely and I'm like, was there a victim or was there more of this champion mindset that was like, I, that's how I, you know, refer mm-hmm. like the champion mindset is like, no, you're not going to stay down. Like you're going to figure it out and you're going to keep getting up and moving. Um, so that, I guess that's a two-part question there. Just, uh, you know, one part is like, what has your inner dialogue, like how has that changed over the years and in, in that process for you? Where is that at now? And then um, go back to, you know, did you, did you live with moments where you felt like in hindsight, when you're looking back, like, were you operating more as a victim or a, as a champion? That's again, my framework. I think more of the victim, to be honest. Um, I mean, definitely didn't realize it or probably wouldn't have admitted it back then. Um, yeah. But it, it definitely was a lot of um, feeling like I deserve certain things versus I've earned it. Mm. Um, and a big part of it was not even really like living my own truth. Um, and then I'll explain. So a, a big part of like that trauma and loss with my father, I, one way to kind of service level process it was that I latched on to this, this 
this phrase that he said his entire life. And it was just a way for me to be like, oh, like, yo, in his honor, in his memory. And, you know, I, I, I tattooed it on my arm and I, it was my license plate for, for like 15 years. And, um, and it's just what I said. And it was a thing that people began to like know me and my family for. But it was just, it was a very, very uh, catchy Band-Aid. It was something that fit the, fit the mold and is what I needed to just be a Band-Aid at the time but it like had work associated with it. And so I realized instead of just like putting something on service level, that's going to make it, you know, to everyone else and maybe to even me at times, make it look like I got my shit together, uh, make it look like, you know, I've attached meaning to a loss or whatever. I actually hadn't earned any of that. And so instead of just applying that bandaid, I very consciously ripped it off, went back in and just completely re-explore that, that entire wound and got to the root. So I won't even say like to fully heal it because I mean, there are still, I mean, hell like this weekend I had a very, you know, kind of flashback experience and there's a whole other part of like, Oh, I actually haven't dealt with that actually. Oh, or there's something, some new connection. Um, there, I don't think there's ever any complete healing, but there has to be like, a, I have to know the root. And I have to know what's going on because every day I'm going to need to nurture this. I'm going to need to like apply a new dressing. I'm going to need to apply, you know, different things. And so instead of just running away from my father and, and then applying his catchy phrase of ever forward, ever forward, and letting him be this bandaid, I just sat with it. And I, I realized, what did he really teach me? You know, what does that actually mean? Instead of just saying it, what does it mean to feel it? What does it mean to live it? And so the thing that I ran away from the most, I ran towards for, for months and months and months and just, just kept reliving it, but with a purpose this time, instead of reliving it from the victim mentality, reliving it from the champion perspective of instead of just being like, uh, I don't know why I think champion, I think of like dragons. I'm obsessed with dragons and medieval stuff. Um, so instead of just being like the little villagers, like, oh, what was me? There's this dragon that keeps, you know, plaguing my field and burning my crops and all these stuff, you know, like being the villager that finally gets his damn pitchfork and like goes into the cave kind of thing. And, you know, you can like live in balance that way. You know, you know, it's there, you know, yeah. it's always there, but you can understand it more. And so that's what I did. Um, you know, ever forward, I, I just, finally figured out what the hell my dad was trying to teach me. But also more importantly, instead of always trying to attach somebody else's meaning and validation, like I applied it myself. I figured out what it meant for me. And so I was able to kind of embody that. And then once I did, um, he just created my entire being out of it. You know, we turned it into a brand. My brother, my brother introduced uh, Everforward Apparel first um, when we were both kind of dabbling in the social media world back in like 2013. And, you know, we were like, hey, we got something here. Maybe what can we do with it? Let's create a brand. And so Everforward Apparel came out and it was so well received and especially like the meaning behind it. It kind of gave me the courage to, to kind of step up and to share my meaning with it. And, and so... And then I decided just to like make it my whole purpose. And so I created a podcast out of it. Uh, and just instead of running from this thing that was causing so much trauma, I decided to make it my entire meaning and purpose every day so that what I'm in pursuit of, I'm also bringing that past with me and they're going mm. together and they're, they're moving forward together. It's so dope. It's so good. Um, so this is a perfect opportunity to ask you then, what does ever forward mean to you? Like what, what is that? 
it, it, it means finally and fully understanding um, the lessons in, in our traumas. Um, if it, it, it's the hard for me personally, it's the hard truth that I try to ignore and like, didn't even want to believe. Um, and I always go back to this one particular memory. I'll try not to get emotional. Um, you're safe here. (laughs) (laughs) When, uh, but now it's like a totally different emotion. Like I I can get emotional. I cry and I have no problem crying, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's a release instead of a suppression, you know? Um, Ever forward for me, I go back to these like three, four days when my father came out to visit me the last few days that he could physically walk, barely he could talk. Um, because when we found out he, where he shared uh, after a couple of months, he shared with us, uh, him and my stepmom knew and my parents knew he shared with me and my brothers and my family and or my brother, and my sister. Um, hey, here's what's been going on. Um, I don't have much time left. And I actually tried to get out of the military. There's a, a hardship clause that if you can prove that your immediate family back home has a severe need for you to like provide income, to take care of people, they will let you out of your contract. And I began to go through that process. And uh, true to my dad's nature, once I told him about that or he found out, I think my stepmom told him, um, he was like, hell no. He flew out across the country. I was, we were literally stationed, I was stationed 3,000 plus miles away from him. He flew out and we spent three, four days just like, no, like don't let my ending, you know, be, you know, the ending to your beginning. I just stepped out on my own. I, he was like, you have so much to live for. You're going to love the military. Uh, we tunings, we love to serve, but I guess we can't last. My dad, like I said, he was in the army as well. He's a Persian Gulf vet. He was in a helicopter accident and, you know, he had major trauma to his back. His like whole lower spine was just you know, like a metal cage and we love to serve, but I guess we just can't make it. You know, <laughs> we, we all get banged up and kicked out. And he loved the military so much and knew what it had to offer. And it was never like shoving it down my throat. It was just like community. It was opportunity. And, and he helped me realize that fully. And uh, he talked me out of getting out. And so like that, that moment for me is, is being able to go back and fully realize what that lesson was that my dad was giving me. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and in everything um, so moving forward, how you have to go ever forward is because like the mission, it has to go on like purpose. Your work has to go on. You have to be in pursuit of your purpose, be in pursuit of your passion. Even if you don't quite know what it is, like you have to keep showing up. And that was the first time he really helped me realize or kind of taught me, you know, how to not quit um, in a way that was so meaningful. And uh, I mean, if it wasn't for that, um, I mean, who knows if, if he, if his condition had worsened Roxy literally by like a week, barely like he would not have been able to get on that flight he not he would not have been able to you know be without you know 24 7 care um it, it was it was all purposeful and so he was i felt like he finally passed that kind of like lesson and torch on to me and um that's when i think of that you know that's for me the, the most like visceral explanation oh it's so powerful and it's like you know a couple things come to my mind one is it's like the gift that keeps on giving because this is literally like you just said it's the like the olympic torch it's like it's just lit and it's keeping you moving through your life and then of course i wouldn't be me if i didn't bring up rocky at some point but it's like this is mickey like get up you son of a bitch because mickey is the theme song gonna fly come on right now and you get up (laughs) 
just I love Rocky. No, it's so beautiful and powerful. And I think it's um, you know, it's gotta be it, it's it's special because it's not just guiding you in your life. This is a gift that you are instilling and that you're putting out, you're contributing with, you know, because you are an example of this. And, you know, you are so leadership is something that I think you have a, a great relationship with in your life, obviously from your past, but also just in your, how you're moving forward, you are leading yourself in your life, right? And the best form of leadership is leading by example, right? So you're really able. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Who's going to follow a leader that doesn't do you know the things that they say? Yeah. You got to lead from the front for sure. Yeah. And when you're leading from, I feel when you lead from your heart and a, a real connection to what it is, what's the purpose and the mission. I mean, that's where you really get into your team, the community, who you're, you know, sharing and speaking to oh, with. Yeah. And yeah, so that was a really, um, that was an important piece for your father and for you in your life. So valuable, so beautiful. And I love your podcast. So let's talk about that before I let you get back to your life. Um, Cause I'm like a new fan of your podcast and obviously it was such same, a same. Yeah. Thank you. It was super, you know, wonderful to be a guest on your show. And I just, um, you're doing great things. I mean, what lights you up the most um, about your podcast and like, you know, just like your mission behind it. I mean, it's really, uh, honestly, it's just like, how the hell is this a job at this point? Um, (laughs) It's such a, uh, such a privilege, such a blessing, such an honor. um, Because why I started it, the the whole first year of the show, I I was still working full time, I was still, you know, health coach chase, you know, running this department, doing all these things. But I I did it as a way to add value to my to my professional life. predominantly, I mean, still very much so today, but more so that first year, it was just very devoted, hardcore fitness, hardcore nutrition, you know, fitness influencers, personal trainers, doctors of physical therapy, best-selling authors around very, very specific topics, because it was, it was the most current way for me to stay ahead of my industry. So I would, instead of, you know, listening to podcasts, which are great and serve me well, I would then get to talk directly to the to the people, to the experts. And I would do that. And I would then go into my practice and I would be way better at my job than I was the day before. I had either new answers or new ways to help people, or I had new cutting edge resources for my clients, for my patients to go check out. And so it was just this way for me to just, just to be better for them. Mm -hmm. But also it filled me up personally, but I, I just gained so much knowledge around health, fitness, wellness, nutrition, uh, rehabilitation, all these things. Um, And then when I began to realize and connect the dots that, all right, if other people are doing this as a job and, you know, they're, you know, traveling and, you know, monetizing and they're able to actually do this full time, Mm -hmm. there has to be a way I can do this too. And it was kind of like this perfect storm again of just a lot of, um, issues, you know, and kind of discrepancies with my job. I, I will always say that I loved my job and I loved what I did, but just that company and the business side of things began to kind of just really get at me and take away my passion for it and just tremendously overworked and undervalued kind of thing, you know, for about, I'd say close to like two years. Um, and so that was just like, Hey, if I don't like how this is going, 
but I love how this other thing is going. How can I kind of, you know, still keep this going because I got to pay the bills, but you know, how can I kind of double down? And so I began to just research and interview on the weekends and lunch breaks and mornings and, you know, figure out how to monetize it and do all these things. And then also at the same time, I fully kind of introduced, you know, personal health coach chase. I launched my coaching business, Everford coach. And, and so I did that. And then over the years, I just realized that I can fully connect the two. Mm -hmm. So like summer 2019, I really kind of stopped being health coach chase. I actually, I still renewed my certification. I, I, I like to kind of just have that because it requires me to stay continuously educated, get those CCs yeah. and all. Um, but I realized that I could accomplish both of those goals through one platform, one medium. And so I can now help thousands, tens of thousands of other people on a very regular basis um, by doing this. And I just think that is the most beautiful thing in the world when we get to show up and do what we love to do the most, to, to have community and connection and relationships, but learn and make our lives better. But then to be able to share that knowledge and experience with other people so that that ripple effect goes on. I mean, that's if that's not, you know, ever afford, I don't know what is. So if this yeah. isn't what I'm meant to be doing, I don't know what is. First of all, you have the most radio voice ever. So if we just even focus on that, it's like, dude, you're living your purpose. Okay. So I'll be honest. I didn't want to sound vain, but like, that's truly, honestly, why I started the podcast. So <laughs> for like my whole teenage years, um, ever since I hit puberty, basically, like my balls dropped and someone one day <laughs> as a 13 year old was like, Hey, you should do radio. And it, it never like appeal to me. Yeah. But then in like 2015, I, I discovered what a podcast was. Someone recommended a health and fitness show. And then several months later, uh, actually one of my patients at the time, she said, wow, you, you do radio. You should do radio. You have a really good radio voice. And that moment clicked. I was like, not radio, but podcasts. Mm. So I could do that. People, I, I say this a lot as well. Um, this is something that worked so well for me if we can just pause long enough to finally like pay attention to the gifts that others already receive from us, it makes our work. It makes finding that passion project, our meaning of life, uh, not, not easy, but more clear. And so something someone has been telling people have been telling me my entire life since I was 12 or 13 years old. It was like, it's not just, Hey, you have a nice voice. It's I like listening to you. I, I am present. I will, I will listen to what you have to say. That is a very, very powerful thing. And, you know, beyond the vain aspect of, of whatever, like there is great power, there's great responsibility, there's great uh, potential and education in that. And so that's really what I'm after. So if I, if just me talking can capture someone's attention to then learn and then hopefully apply, like that's what all I'm after. And, and so, I mean, whatever your gift is, I, you know, walk people through all the time of, just take inventory of that. It can be literally take a poll on your Instagram or ask your friends and family. What's my thing? What do you come to me for? Am I the relationship expert? You know, am I the person who knows, Hey, this meat needs to go with that cheese. Like literally your extraordinary seems like ordinary because it, it's you, you don't know any different. It's just who you are and how you walk, how you talk and how you exist. But like, like your strength is someone else's shortcoming kind of thing. And uh, it just clicked for me one day. So, all right. 
So beyond talking, that was so good. It was just like people already like listening to me. So that's so so good for so many reasons. I mean, I get this question frequently, and but I literally just got it this morning. Like, how do I find my passion? And it's like, boom! I'm just gonna serve them the videogram (laughs) that you just like so beautifully put out. But probably already have it. Yeah. (laughs) No. Yeah. What did? What was that like? Super catchy. Um, your ordinary gifts that others already receive from you. Yeah, your ordinary, your ordinary is yeah, exactly. There's so much right there, and also I want to say this. Um, it's it's interesting. It's it's a little different, but it'll connect. So when I was really young, um, I used to not like my voice because I felt like I. Yeah, it's not funny. And I, I, cause I felt like I sounded stuffy or just like, I just, I just remember like all the way into my, um, like, I don't know, maybe till I was like 13 or something. And now I have a very different relationship with my voice. I really appreciate my voice. I'm very sensitive to voice. Um, and I cannot tell you how many times I have, received this compliment from the podcast, from podcasting, that your yeah. voice soothed, it soothes me. Like I, I've literally had a girl tell me like I was at the dentist and I was nervous and I just put on your solo sode just to listen to you talk because it calms me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, I, it's not vain to, when you say like, you're grateful that you have a voice that can, you know, um, command a sense of attention, which then allows you mm-hmm. to these messages that are very important, that are so supportive and value valuable to, to, to be received and to be felt. Cause the voice really allows you when, the, when someone connects with your voice, um, they're able to feel the message. Oh, it's a resonance. Right? Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So no, that's, it's, that's what I'm saying. Like what you just dropped there was like, there, in so many ways, it was so amazing. And, and there was so much, um, so many great offerings in that piece. So thank you. I'm glad we hit on yeah. that. Right yeah. It, it funny. It reminds me too, how you're just describing it, um, of truly how ingrained or even how destined I was to be in the military and how much it still is with me. You were just saying how, you know, someone can receive your voice first and that's step one. And then it's all the information, education, and, or even entertainment after that, uh, the military, when we're doing our like drill and ceremony, um, voice is exactly, it's what commands people voice and in, in commands is, is how the military operates. It's how things get done. It's how people do their job. When you're really out in the field, um, we have what's called your preparatory command and then your, um, oh my gosh, Oh, everyone's going to flame me for this. I just had a total brain fart. Preparatory command and, and then execution. Um, oh, I'm totally butchering it. Don't worry. But, but basically it. it's that. It's like it's, <laughs> it's the voice command, um, the preparatory command that signals that everybody catches your ear and mm-hmm. it prepares you for what you're going to do next. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's like a it's a call to action foreplay, basically. Yeah. You know, it's it prepares you for what you need you know, to, Hey, I need to pause. I need to listen because what I'm supposed to do is about to change. So you get your preparatory command and then your uh, command of execution. Uh, so it, it's like, maybe, maybe, maybe this has been like brainwashing from the military from day one. I don't know. <laughs> Voice stuff, I don't know. Well, you know, I, I mean, what a great subject actually, because there is, there's a reality and I don't know the term either. So I'm, well, I, I'm right back where you were, but look, I know this, um, there are certain people, let's just say a stranger, like I know how to adjust my voice and the, mm-hmm. the cues. I, I know, how, and it really works with like body language too. Oh yeah. To, to send a certain message. 
right? Like I, I, I distinct, there's a certain, if, a, if there's a stranger and I feel a vibe, like the same way that my shoulders are broad and my head is up, my voice will also be telling you something mm-hmm. very specific in that. And then obviously like, if I'm talking to the homie, you, and we're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it all goes off the window and I'm just like, ah. We get the full full range of the spectrum here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's a, there is something so scientific and I wish I had the terms on, but just to be able to like how one, um, how a voice is received and yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so powerful. Well, there's That's a whole a science to it. Yeah. Like frequency, depth, right. tonality, you know, direction, posture. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, tonality, there's yeah. so many degrees it's, it's innate and it's human nature um, right. because it either will trigger, Hey, I need to like pay attention because some shit's about to go down mm-hmm. uh, or I can disregard, you know, is this a threat or is this a friendly friend or foe kind of thing? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of science behind it. Yeah. Like as a woman in the gym, it's funny. I mean, I, I don't really, I grew up in the gym. I have three brothers. So like being in the weight room is normal for me, yeah, you know, right. how about that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, all you but, all. what's that? All, all of you, you too. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I know that it's not, not, I mean, there's more women in the weight room now than ever before, but it, that it's not the, the norm or the comfort zone for women. And I, women ask me all the time, like, how do you, like, I, how do I work past this kind of insecurity in this? Cause you know, sometimes there are men that, you know, will can make a woman feel uncomfortable in the weight room, but it's that assertiveness in your posture. And then in your dialogue, like, so, so if a man comes up to you and you feel like, uh, like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta express yourself, yeah. that tonality yeah. and that, you know, all of that, it makes a difference. That's just one example. Um, yeah. What a fun rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> Science. <laughs> Science. Okay. So before um, we we wrap out, there's a couple things I'd like to do in my wrap out. But before I even get to that, I want to ask you, is there anything that you wish people would ask you more about something that you would love to speak on um, or that even you would want to live in this amazing conversation if we haven't touched on it already? <laughs> um. Like specifically about me or just topics? it could be anything like anything that you, yeah, it could be about you. It could be about life process, anything that kind of hmm. is lit in your heart. Well, I mean, I, I think a lot of what I've talked about has been, um, it's just storytelling. Um, and that's another reason why I love this platform uh, is that I didn't fully realize I'm still realizing how much of my story matters for me. And when you can understand your story, you really truly get to understand who you are. And I mean, true to like so much of, you know, like our conversation on my show uh, of self-love, um, you know, how, how can you get to a point of loving yourself if you don't even know, or even can't even relate to that story. Um, when we get to fall in love with a significant other or a sibling, or, you know, like what, how, you know, however the d- definition of love here, mm-hmm. um, it's because like, you not only know that person, you know, what they've gone through, like, you know, their story. Um, and so storytelling for me, I think is something that for many, many 
many years and for many of us, we've kind of like gotten away from. And I fully realized that that's truly the power of podcasting. That's the power of conversation, of communication. And it's because it's one of the most primal things that we have ever done. Mm -hmm. um, look back to ancient civilizations when we had nothing else to do. All we did was sit around a fire and, you know, before language, you know, you would reenact things or paint in caves. And oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, the whole reason for language was, you know, for storytelling to kind of pass on, Hey, this is how we killed this Buffalo. This is how, you know, you're, you're, you're going to eat tomorrow kind of thing. And so I mean, there's definitely way more to it than even I understand, but just mm. it, it's, it's reflection. It's, you know, rediscovery, but it's, you know, storytelling. And when you, when you think about the fundamentals of a story, you know, it has, beginning, a middle and an end. And like, if you can understand and relate to like, nothing is over, nothing you've experienced, like your, your life isn't over, your story isn't over because you're still here writing that page today. Like you, you get to, you know, you get to keep moving on. Like nothing has ended because you're still here. Um, so storytelling has been incredible and, and making time to get to understand and know yours more, but just finding time to like ask others about theirs, mm -hmm. the story of their day, the story of their childhood. And, um, and that's been where I've had, I found the most kind of um, value and, and healing is revisiting parts of my story. Um, one thing that was actually very, very powerful for me last year, when I kind of grabbed hold of this whole concept of storytelling um, was I actually went back like, well, what is my beginning? So I, I, I spent some time kind of rethinking and going all the way back to what, what can I recall as my very first conscious memory? Mm -hmm. um, and for many, many people, if you can go back to that, I will, I will make the, the claim that in some way, shape or form, it was uh, like a micro trauma, a full blown trauma, some kind of like, very, very significant event or else why would it be imprinted on you as the first thing you can remember? Um, at least in my experience. And for me, it was very powerful. I went back to the very first conscious page of my story, recalled a lot of things and it gave me steps to work on in my life of things like, Oh, like, Oh, that makes sense. Or like, Oh, I need to talk to my mom about this or, you know, a, a lot of stuff like that. So going back to the very origin helped me kind of really re-understand my entire story. So good. It's so powerful. And one thing I have to insert here is that I, and I, cause I really admire it. And I also speak about this so often, like when we think about self-awareness and self-connection, you know, the five S's we've talked about in your, yeah, yeah. dude, if you're not fucking being honest, <laughs> don't even stop. Yeah. Like, right. You have to be. So when you go back and you're, you know, doing the self inquiry work, which is so powerful, um, you know, if you're not willing to be honest with yourself and it's hard because a lot of times, you know, you could be kind of realizing things or discovering things that are really hard to face. They're uncomfortable, right? Um, if you're being honest, yeah. so it's easy yeah. to divert and to be like, nah, nah, I'm not going there. I'm not touching that. Or I'm going to make excuses or, or, you know, versus just, um, being more curious about it and, accepting it and not like, you know, attaching other emotions to it, being judgmental, the honesty piece, like if, if for, for us to, I mean, like in anything, man, if you want to make progress, there has to be honesty in the process, right? 
So true. So I, yeah. I really, really, I mean, if, 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 if anybody who has been listening to this epic conversation or watching it hasn't picked up on that, I'm putting this on stage here that your entire, everything you've shared, it's like, there's a through line of honesty in there, you know, like you have faced and, and, and still face the, the challenges within, within you and within your history and your life, um, with very, uh, with a lot of honesty, even in the period where maybe you were like pushing it away, like, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So good. Uh, Amazing. Okay. So question I love to ask my guests, um, if you had a magic wand and you could give the masses one habit that would have a large positive ripple effect in their life, what would it be and why? Hmm. Um, can I give two real quick? Yeah. Okay. So one that serves me a lot nowadays is, is, um, walking, uh, I, I'll call it like even meditation, but just, um, inserting intentional, an intentional period of time of stillness and just low intensity you, uh, I found so much power and tranquility and ideas and problem solving. Um, also getting my steps in, um, <laughs> for, for walking, yes. uh, truly. Yeah. I doubled, I got my Apple watch and my whoop over here. I'm like, nice. I was walking through the malls, whatever I can do, you know, um, walking has been transformational and clarity and de-stressful. I mean, there's so much physiologically that goes on that we, we could benefit from, but just, and you know, Hey, to our last point of understanding your story, like things just come to you, um, get out of nature, get some vitamin D, get grounded, uh, walking for lately has been just transformational. Uh, and something that served me years ago that got me to this point is, uh, is journaling. Um, that was really the origin of all of that inner work that I was you know telling you about earlier. Um, and it, I just got, it was like a $3, $5, like three subject notebook from, I think CVS back in Arlington, Virginia. And <laughs> that little notebook was, was the most transformational tool of my entire life. Um, because it would, it wasn't so much like it of the vehicle that it was for me and the work of what needed to come out of me. So just start writing, you know, voice dictating your phone, um, journal, brain dump, you know, people that get caught up in journaling, they think, Oh, well, how do I journal? What's the format? I, I just started, I began to brain dump. And one little technique that's worked well for me over the years is uh, like at night. And this is great for people that go to bed and you can't go to sleep because you're just running amok in your head, brain dump, just have a little notepad, like, you know, a little legal pad, whatever you need to do. Just dump words, thoughts, ideas, dreams, you know, your, your coffee that you want to have tomorrow. <laughs> and then the next day, so at night, brain dump and the next morning, journal about it. Like brain dump and the next morning, reflect on that and then journal and kind of expand in detail on that because there's a lot of conscious. So there's also a lot of subconscious that will come out. Uh, and so that's been a great you know, kind of starting point for me for journaling is brain dump first at night and then the next morning journal about it. So good. I'm like, because <laughs> yeah, no, walking is a huge piece of my movement game throughout the week. I uh, so often my captions for Instagram, they're all while I'm walking because the brain is just, you know, hormones, serotonin, like, you know, lowering cortisol. Like people think I'm beast mode all the time. I'm like, no, I would say like half of the time yeah. and the other half. It's just, I mean, literally the minute we're done podcasting, it's like, I'm, I'm out the door and I'm walking, you know, <laughs> literally. So I love that you put that in. And then obviously, you know, I mean, journaling is, uh, I mean, I, I 
designed a um, self-actualization supportive journal that will come out next year. Oh yeah. Uh, Part of, part of your, uh, your no. queendom or something. No, when I'll show you when we're done. I'm, I'm, uh, it's, you, all right. it's called you're on the it's called You Are the Path. Um it's beautiful, it's illustrated, it's 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 this is my baby. It's almost as if I've written my first book. It's not. There's journal prompts in it, there's line pages, there's blank pages. Um, and the reason is like, look, I have over 20 years of writing in my in my home, and I would have had more if I wouldn't lost journals from moving around the world, but um journaling has been the same for me. It's, it's, it's literally what I, if you ask me like, what's the number one thing that has supported you to be who you are today? It's my fucking journal. It's spending time with yourself, you know, and just exiting the stuff out here and then putting it out there. And yeah. So I love what you just gave us. Um, Thank you for that. That is, that's huge. Magic wand. (laughs) (laughs) exactly okay i want to get you um moving so uh, last bit to this incredible conversation rapid fire words you don't have to be rapid you can um when i say these words to you just share with me top of mind top of heart what what comes and and if you want to elaborate by all means ready all right yeah here we go first word is love thyself I love that. <laughs> I just like, I don't know why I just like visually saw you in like the Robin Hood era. <laughs> I love Robin Hood. I'll take that. Me too. Yeah. Anything, Dude. like I said earlier, dragons, anything like me, you know, that whole era. Of, yeah, yeah, I'm about it. Yeah. So dope. They so, okay. <laughs> next word is fear. More often than not, it's a lie. Love it. Next word is curiosity. Stay with it. Always have it in your life. Absolutely. Let it guide you. Mm, That's so good. Challenge. Accepted. (laughs) Courage. Mm, Doesn't always look like how you think it will. Passion. Persian. Actually, I'm surprised it took this long for me to wait to get that out. Dude, I know. I'm like, that should have to go down on this talk. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, resilience. Mm. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> um Monotonous. Mm, interesting. I think, yeah, I'll go with that. Okay. Yeah. 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 Final word. Excellence. Bill and Ted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, you know, I, I just was talking to Sal to Stefano. Yeah, and yeah. when I, when I asked him that, I'm like, Bill, I brought up, I'm like, Bill and Ted. <laughs> Starts laughing. What a great movie. Maybe I'll watch that tonight. The, oh, man. Had, the new one, um, they dropped a new one. I think it came straight to like Apple TV or something. Oh, like really? A, like, like a month or two ago. Yeah. Um, it's like the final conclusion. Uh, I oh. it's, called. it's like Bill and Ted's 
I'll look it up. Not excellent adventure, but yeah, it's like their final conclusion. Yeah. Like the trilogy or whatever. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, really? yeah, I, I'm like an eighties baby and I, I'm all about the eighties, but um, I'll watch that one. I'm about to go into like a, a couple days off of work and I'm just going to, I'm going to be downloading some eighties, but I'll, I'll definitely get yeah, into it. Check it out. Yeah, I will. Hey, thank you so much, Chase. First of all, we have to do this again. Um, yeah. I'm I'm so just really, you know, excited to develop our friendship. I can't wait to meet your wife and you know, <laughs> and honestly, just to support you, everything that you're doing. I am so about um, please just share where people can stay connected with you. Everything will be in the show notes, and I will be just constantly, you know, putting what you're doing out there because I genuinely feel a connection and not only to your work, but with you. And I'm just so grateful. Thank you for making this amazing time here for all of us. Oh, it's been, yeah, so, so much fun. Uh, and another reason why I love this platform is because truly whether I'm the one doing the interview or being interviewed, it's uh, it's continual work. It's, you know, it's therapy in a way um, it's connection. And like 2020 has been the year of, of realizing as, as, important as I knew connection and community was for me already, this has just magnified it. And so like, this is, is so, so helpful. So thank you. Um, yeah, my show ever forward radio is anywhere and everywhere. People listen to podcasts, Google, Apple podcasts, put it up on YouTube. Uh, we, we drop, um, episodes multiple times a week. It's all health, fitness, wellness, you know, mindset, entrepreneurship, all things I say to help us live a life ever forward. Uh, and then if not there, you can catch me on the gram. Um, I'm probably hanging out there more often than I should. Um, <laughs> just at chase underscore tuning. And I share a lot of great content like, uh, you know, yeah. IGTVs from Miss Roxy's interview. And um, your stories you know, are so fun. <laughs> it's me making fun of my dog for not having a job. It's uh, the great Persian food that, you know, my wife will prepare her family or, you know, fitness, health, wellness, entrepreneurship, me, um, you know, just, just me being me and hopefully it helps somebody else. So for sure it does. All right. So to be continued, thank you so much, homie. Yeah. Appreciate you. Thanks. Step in. Here we go. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. You guys, if you loved it, please share it on your social Throw it up on your Instagram stories and tag me. I'm at Black Belt Beauty. I am also at Roxy Look, R-O-X-Y-L-O-O-K. I love connecting with you guys. This is a conversation that I want to just continue growing with you guys. So if you feel inspired to hit me up, do so in that space. I always enjoy hearing from you. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by rating it and reviewing it via iTunes. It's such supportive help, you guys. It really helps the visibility of this podcast. So I appreciate and thank you in advance for doing that. And last but not least, if you are interested in starting your own podcast, or perhaps you already have one and you need help with you know editing your audio and the production of it, I cannot recommend my producers enough. Resonate Recordings, you guys, they are the bomb. I rely on them. They are an absolute supportive tool to me and my podcast. So check them out and let them know that Black Belt Beauty sent you. And on that note, you guys, I'm signing off with all my love and always looking forward to catching you on the next.